Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Live, Laugh, and Smoke. This is Dave, and welcome to the New Year's Eve special. Incredibly excited to tell you some of these jokes. First thing I need to get out of the way, this podcast, this episode of this podcast is going to be what they call NSFW, which means not safe for work. That is the official term for something that is going to be a little vulgar. I'm going to be swearing. Some of the subject matter is for adults, not children. As they say, viewer discretion is advised for this episode. You're going to be hearing from me. You're going to be hearing from my buddy Carl, a.k.a. House, a.k.a. my best friend in the whole world. Um, And I'm going to see if I can get another guest guy to come in for this episode as well. So let's kick it off. Uh, I'm going to tell you some of my favorite jokes. Um, And like I said, these are uncensored jokes. (laughs) Um, I'm going to narrow them down to jokes that won't get me shot in the street. But (laughs) I hope you enjoy them nonetheless. Some of these jokes I have known for a long time. Um, I will openly admit that a lot of the jokes that I will be telling in this episode are not my own original content. They are jokes I've gotten from other comedians. Most of them. Um, That being said, I don't want to be accused of plagiarism. However, I don't know if they ever wrote it down. So, here we go. (laughs) Alright. So, (laughs) this first joke is probably my favorite joke of all time. It's the koala bear joke. And <laughs> this, this, you will never think of a koala bear in the same way again after this joke. Uh, once again, I just want to emphasize, this is a dirty joke. You might want to clear out any children <laughs> within earshot if you don't want them to learn some different words. All right, let me just take a, take a hit off the bowl here and we'll get started. All right, so this joke is going to make you think about koala bears entirely different from now on. So a koala bear picks up a prostitute, right? And he brings her home to his little koala, you know, hut. (coughs) And, you know, she's getting up on the bed and he's hanging out by the door, taking off his little koala hat and his little koala watch, his little koala vest. And she's on the bed, and she's starting to get undressed, and she's like, yeah, whatever, koala bear, you know, Tuesday night, whatever, you know. Another 10 bucks is 10 bucks, whatever. So she's on the bed, and she says, okay, you know, go ahead, do whatever you koala bears do, you know, whatever. And so the koala bear goes, meh, meh, meh. And he comes up to her, and he just sticks his muzzle right into her crotch, and he's going to town, he's licking away, and she is having a world of bliss. She is in a completely different state of ecstasy than she's ever experienced. She is having orgasm after orgasm to the point where she passes out from having so many orgasms. And, you know, let's say 10 minutes goes by, the koala bear finishes up, the prostitute comes around she's like holy crap that was the most amazing thing ever i can't believe that i mean i am almost sad that you have to pay me for that i'd pay you for that any day of the week and the koala bear goes me 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 and he goes over to the door and starts putting on his watch and the prostitute says you understand that you have to pay me right and the koala bear goes me 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 and he puts on his watch and he starts putting on his vest and the prostitute says no, 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 I'm a prostitute, this is my job, you can't just, you can't just not pay me, that, that's, that's, that, you know, that, that doesn't happen, you have to pay me, 
The koala bear goes, meh, meh, meh. Puts on his hat and he gets ready to go outside, go out the door. In a last-ditch effort, the prostitute goes over to the dictionary. She flips through the dictionary, points out to the word prostitute. says, prostitute, gets paid to have sex. You have to pay me. This is a service. This is my job. The koala bear goes, meh. And he flips over to koala bear, and it says koalas. Eats bushes and leaves. <laughs> oh, it's my favorite joke. My favorite joke. Oh. Poor little koala bear. That one actually made a lot of people's day, you know, a long, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago, the first time I told it in public. Um, <laughs> oh, man. So that's one of my favorite jokes. So I got a couple of quick jokes for you before we get into my buddy Carl. So why did the semen cross the road? Why did the semen cross the road? Because I wore the wrong socks. <laughs> a chicken and an egg are laying in bed. The chicken lights up a cigarette and says, Well, now we know. <laughs> uh, that's a who came first joke if you didn't get it. Oh, man. What's the difference between a, an, epileptic, an epileptic oyster shucker and... A prostitute with diarrhea. The oyster shucker shucks between fits. The prostitute fucks between shits. <laughs> so this guy walks into a bar and posted on the bar, there's a sign that says, tequila challenge, $100 entry. So he looks at the barman and says, I love tequila. What's up with this tequila challenge? Barman says, all right, here's what you got to do. You put $100 in the jug then you start your challenge. Your challenge is you have to drink an entire gallon of tequila. Then you have to run outside. <laughs> you have to run outside, pull the loose tooth from the pit bull that's outside, the rabid pit bull outside. You've got to pull his loose tooth, and then you got to run upstairs to the third floor, and you got to make love to old lady McGurdy upstairs. And then you come down here, and you can win all the money in that jar. And he's looking at the jar, and he's like, how much money do you think is in here? And he's saying, oh, no one's ever won it, so I'd say about $20,000. Holy crap. All right. So he puts a $100 bill in the jar. He says, count me in. So he drinks his gallon of tequila, spins around a couple of times, getting his bearings. All right. He's a little stumbly, feeling a little wobbly, but he runs out to the back. He's confronting the pit bull. And all the barman can hear is growling and growling and barking and barking. And then all of a sudden, it all kind of goes quiet. And everyone's like, wow, this is the furthest anyone's ever gone before in this challenge. So the guy comes back with a big grin on his face. He's like, all right, remind me, where, where's the old lady with the loose tooth? That's <laughs> eh, a bad one. That's a really bad one. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, so this guy's driving down the road and he's feeling kind of lonely, you know, and he's just thinking, oh man, I wish I had some female company. And right at that moment, as if a gift from God was showing itself, it says, sisters of St. Teresa, house of ill repute this way. Oh, well, what a, what a coincidence. So he veers off and takes a side road. And he's following the signs. Since sisters of 
Sisters of St. Teresa, House of Ill Repute. And so we finally, he's getting, sees bigger and bigger signs, and he's getting to the part of the road where, you know, you can see this big building up on the top of the cliff. And it says, you know, Sisters of St. Teresa, House of, Ill, House of Ill Repute and Convent, top of cliff. Follow this way. So the guy follows the road, and about another half mile up, he's almost right beneath where the uh, where the convent house of ill repute is. Uh, you know the con- the convent's up on the cliff, and he's down below on the road. And he's looking for the way up there. He can't find the way up there. But it says, you know, there's a big box in the front on the side of the road that says donation box house of. <laughs> Sisters of St. Teresa, Teresa donation box. Access to House of Ill Repute. Minimum donation, $100. So he takes out a $100 bill, stuffs it in the donation box, and, you know, he <laughs> keeps driving up. And then about another half mile up the road, he sees this sign. He gets out of the car, and it looks at it really close. And he, <laughs> he, <laughs> he reads it out loud, and he says, Thank you. You have now been screwed by the sisters of St. Teresa. Have a nice day. That's <laughs> uh, a Catholic joke for you. I <laughs> uh, got a lot of jokes. I'm just trying to pick and choose which ones I tell so I don't, you know, like I said, get shot behind the alley. <clears throat> All right. I think without any further ado, we should go ahead and get Carl in here. Um, the next little bit is going to be a pre-recorded segment between a conversation of, that I have with Carl discussing the drunk Steve story. And here we go. So, have you ever heard of a dolphin woman? It's when you it's when you're doing your girl from behind and you try to put it in the wrong hole and she goes. Uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. <laughs> oh man! Speaking of that, so you know why they call it PMS? Because Mad Cow was already taken. <laughs> all right, all right. Last last little uh, joke for right now is I have all right, these two midgets go to this convention in a hotel, a little casino, and the convention is filled with women who love men who are, you know, shorter men, men of short stature. So these two guys, they... Try to pick up a girl a piece, right? They go up back up to the hotel. They got rooms right next to each other. And <laughs> they decided to meet up in the cafe tomorrow, you know, the next morning to compare notes. So the first little guy, he was having a rough night. He had too much to drink. All the parks were closed in Manland, if you know what I mean. Nothing was rising to the occasion. All the flags were at half mast. So his girl got a little frustrated with the situation and she fell asleep. So he decides, well, fuck, I might as well go over and see how my buddy's doing. So he puts his ear up against the wall and all he can hear is his butter. All he can hear from the other side of the wall is his buddy screaming. One, two, three. Ah, one, two, three. Ah, and he's like, whoa, I don't know what the heck he's doing in there, but he's getting his freak on. Oh, I got nothing going on over here. Well, at least he's got something going on over there, I guess. So the night goes on. And 
the night goes on, and you know, the next morning, the two the two short guys meet up in the uh, the two <laughs> they meet up in the cafe at the hotel, and they're talking about their night before. And the first guy says, "Yeah, you know, it wasn't really much going on for me last night." But I heard you in the next room going to town. And the second guy says, what are you talking about going to town? And the first guy says, you know, one, two, three, uh, one, two, three, uh. And it's like, and the second guy says, what did you think what was happening? I was trying to get on the bed. <laughs> All right. I am here with Carl. Carl, say hi. Hello, everybody. What's happening? And we are going to tell you. The complete Drunk Steve story. Now, a little bit of background. This story occurred in Boston immediately following one of our conventions that we were covering media-wise uh, on Bammer TV. So, that being said, we were stoned all heckin' day long. And... Why don't you just take over the story from there? Because you give all the appropriate background, but then take over the story. Oh, all the appropriate. We had spent all day walking around the the business center out in Boston doing um, our Bammer stuff, walking around. Now, mind you, we were at a cannabis convention, the NECAN convention in 2019. In in Boston, and it was our first time out there as a Bammer TV, and we were going around doing our thing all day. But but one of the famed kickers of that just started the whole day was I was outside smoking a cigarette, taking a break from doing everything, and I just happened to see a bunch of little tweens, you know, between eleven and. 12 13 year old girls walking around and cheerleading outfits with their families and stuff and i'm like oh there must be a cheerleading competition somewhere around and they're starting to go through the building that i'm going in and i'm like oh they must be on the other side yeah they decided that they were going to hold the national under 15 championship cheerleading cheerleading championships in boston on the same day as a cannabis convention a 21 and over cannabis convention so it was a really interesting mix of people that day <laughs> a lot of dirty looks yes <laughs> and to start my trip off i live out in a beautiful little city a big little city of good old worcester and i took decided to take the train in I took the train in, so that meant I was taking the train home. Train to Boston from Worcester is approximately 45 minutes, give or take, a couple stops. On my way home, it was a four-hour train ride, and I didn't even get off the train. I didn't even move out of my seat. At the end of our day at the NECAN convention, after all was said and done, and me and my hetero life mate, said our goodbyes i proceeded to hop in a cab and make my way to south station so i could hop on the last train back to the big little city and as i get to the train station i paid a cabbie and i hop out of the cab and by this time my back teeth are floating my left leg is full 
I gotta go. So I just grab and tuck tail and run in. And mind you, at this time, I am a large individual. I weigh about 570 pounds at this time. And it's a feat to see me running across five lanes of traffic in downtown Boston outside the train station trying to get to the bathroom without pissing my pants. I make it, thankfully. And as I come out, I'm going to go call my wife to tell her that I'm on my way home from Boston and I'll see her when I get there. I reach into my pocket, no phone. I reach into my backpack, no cell phone. I go back into the stall, no cell phone. I walk back across the street and I look on the ground where the cab was. There is no cell phone. I have now lost my cell phone in the middle of Boston and I have to take the train back to the city and I can't get into contact any, with anyone. Even though there is 5,000 people walking by me on the street with a little box strapped to their head talking, I could not be bothered to look at somebody and say, excuse me, could I please use your phone and let my wife know what's going on? Nope. I decided to sit down on a bench and drown my sorrows in a finger full of distillate. So this particular distillate came in a little syringe from California, and it's a, it's a syringe without a tip, so you're going to squeeze it out directly onto a surface or into something. And I had given him this little syringe ahead of time, being like, I know it's going to be a long day. This stuff always helps you move around. <laughs> Here we go. So, <laughs> so I knew he was going to float through the day easily, but this next part was heavily influenced by THC. Yes. The the whole the whole fiasco I was sitting there thinking, yes, I am a dead man. I am going to get <laughs> home and I am going to die. My wife is going to kill me. I have to buy a new phone now. And not thinking that I'm just gonna eat fingerfuls of distillate on the train and just be like, Well, since it's gonna be my last ride, might as well make it a fun ride. <laughs> and throughout the day I met all up with all the people that I know that are in the industry and stuff like that. And I was being gifted edibles and flour and I was gifted a nice pint of 50 milligram THC lemonade and 100 milligram bake infused uh, goldfish. So I had snacks for the train ride home. And as I'm sitting in the tunnel underneath South Station waiting for the train, along comes this young kid, can't be more than like 19. He's cut up, scratched, looks like he's just gotten into a brawl. Come to find out, his girlfriend beat the shit out of him, scratched him up, and he had to take the train back to Worcester by himself too. So feeling bad for the young man, I gave him a finger full of the same distillate that I had, and I decided I was going to take another one. Still, people talking on cell phones. Didn't ask for one. Then, a troop of Boy Scouts descend upon the platform at the train station. Out of nowhere, a troop of Boy Scouts that were must have been on a day trip out into Boston, look at something in full uniform. So, me being 
a former Boy Scout as is, I looked at him and said, hi guys, hey, have one of you guys find cell phone outside on your way in? All of them just kind of looked at me dumb, dumbfounded like I had no idea what I was talking about and said no. So therefore, I just watch everybody else on their cell phone without asking for a cell phone still. Train finally shows up. I get onto the train. The kid gets onto the train and he goes onto the upper deck part of the train. And as the train starts to move, I feel the distillate start to kick in that I had taken. And I was like, cool, the kid upstairs is gonna start feeling the same thing pretty soon too. Not bad. I'm sitting in his chair seat by myself and I have a gentleman sitting two seats across from me, but he's facing me and we're talking to each other with our eyes saying, hi, how are you? It's going to be a fun ride. And to my left, there's a couple people sitting, a couple of booths full and up a little bit. There's a group of four teenage boys, no older than like 16, 17 out to Boston, went to go get something to eat on the train, come back, having a good time. And in the back of the car, there's these two girls from Job Corps out in Grafton. They're on their way back to go to the Job Corps and stuff like that. And they're giggling and the boys and stuff and all that. And I'm getting higher and higher as we ride the train. And everything's copacetic. And watching the four adolescent males fumble through trying to flirt with two females laughing hysterically picturing my son doing the same thing because he was about the same age at the same time and down comes this gentleman that we shall be calling from here on out drunk steve enter drunk steve enter drunk steve <laughs> the ballad of <laughs> drunk steve <laughs> drunk steve comes down from the top row and you could tell Drunk Steve was drunk because of the way that he just announced that he was, Hey, everybody, I'm Steve, and I'm feeling pretty fucking good. So it was a nice little introduction. Dawned out in all the latest Red Sox gear and definitely knew he was out in the city drinking at one of the local watering holes and on his way back to the big little city to finish off his night before he passed out into some ditch. And he walks up to these four boys and these four boys are eating pizza and they're offering pizza to Drunk Steve and Drunk Steve just pushes his way into him and ah, oh, you guys are great feeding them and all this and Drunk Steve, thank you gentlemen, you guys have been awesome and he gets up and he walks away and goes back upstairs into the second level of the car and that was the first time we saw Drunk Steve. And we were only about 20 minutes into what was supposed to be a 45-minute ride, but was a four-hour ride. And as the time goes on, the boys are trying to figure out sly ways to pick up on these girls. And me and the guy across from me are laughing at them, talking to each other silently, and just observing everything. And I'm just getting higher and at this point i said ah why the fuck not let's have some hundred milligram goldfish and we throw the hundred milligram goldfish on top 
Oh, and I'm now I'm thirsty, and all I have is this 50 milligram <laughs> lemonade. We'll start sipping on this. Okay. Things start to get very fun for me after about 40 minutes into the ride when all the edibles had decided they were going to stop playing together. Now, the boys have gone from being quiet and trying to figure out a way to actually interacting with these two girls asking if they want pizza what two ghetto girls aren't gonna want free pizza so they come down and they grab slices of pizza and they go up back to their chairs and they're eating they're talking and one kid gets up and he just walks up to the girl and he grabs the piece of pizza back out of her mouth and just walks away and walks around. It comes down the other end. It puts the piece of pizza back in the box. For what reason? Nobody knows. They just thought it was hilarious. And a few more minutes come rolling by and a couple stops later, the boys get off and everything's starting to quiet down and enter drunk Steve round two. Now there's left, less of us. And we're all watching and now he's targeting the women that are sitting by themselves trying to be chatty and all kinds of stuff and me and the guy in front of me are watching each other and watching him to make sure that he's not getting handsy because, you know, that's how it's going to do. And he's trying to talk to everybody and he's just tipping over and flopping. And as he's walking away to go back up to the second floor, the train shifts tracks and turns to the left and it makes a little jarring motion and you watch drunk steve bounce <laughs> from one wall to the other at the front of the car like a rag doll like nobody saw it coming like the incredible hulk just punched him in the side and people ran down from the top and picked him up and helped him up and got him up top and drunk Steve leaves, and I'm getting more and more and more stoned as the minutes go on. And all of a sudden, the train stops. Something happened on the tracks. Something was on the tracks, blocking the tracks, broke down on the tracks. But we had to sit at that section for almost two and a half hours. Drunk Steve made a couple appearances, nothing too big, looking for bathrooms, trying to, wanting to go outside to smoke a cigarette, conduct wouldn't let him go. Oh, we're going to have to throw you off the train at the next stop. If you don't settle down, get back to your seat, all that happy stuff. Oh, another handful of goldfish, a couple more swigs off of the lemonade, and everything's getting better. We finally move along, and we're going down, and they usually announce a mile out from every stop when the stop is so you can get prepared and stuff like that and everybody's getting to the stop and we know that Worcester's the last stop and we're getting upon it and drunk Steve makes his final appearance and he's down and he's talking to everybody and he's having a grand old time and he must have had some stashed away in his Red Sox coat somewhere because he was a little bit more inebriated than he was at the beginning of the train ride, which was to be expected. It's a Massachusetts 
train system. It's how it goes. So as we go on, the conductor's trying to get him to go back upstairs, and everybody's trying to talk to him to get ready to go. And they call out that Worcester's the last stop, and we tell him, oh, he's got to go get his bag and stuff like that up there because <clears throat> we're coming, and it's going to be the last stop. So me and the kids in front of me stand up and we're gathering our stuff together and we watch drunk Steve walk to the front of the car. Now, mind you, I forgot to tell you that we had the most forward car of the train. The only car after the passenger car is the engine. The only way to get to the engine is to go through a locked door and onto a catwalk that's on this outside of the engine and to the door for the engineer's room. Now, this door is locked. It says locked in big red letters. You're not supposed to be able to get the, be able to get out this door. No uh -oh. problem. <laughs> uh -oh. Well, drug Steve goes a-waddling up the stairs, and we figured he was going to be just turning the corner and getting rifled around again and probably fall and go up and get his stuff. Well, drunk Steve managed to grab a hold of this door that said locked on it, and... Swing that some bitch right open. <laughs> <clears throat> and then shut it behind him. Now, knowing and being on the train a couple of times, I know that there is nothing outside of that door other than air and the catwalk to get to the engine. You're outside. If you can't go left, you can't go right. You can only go straight. Because left or right, you go off the train, you die. Period. There's no there's no question about it unless the train stops. That's it. And me and a fellow passenger that I've had non-verbal communication with the entire ride, watch Drunk Steve go through this door and shut the door behind him. And then we look at each other and shrug our shoulders. And the train's still moving, and it's slowing down, but the train's still moving. We're still a good half mile away from the train station. And then we see Drunk Steve take a right. We no longer see Drunk Steve. We wait a minute. Yeah, there's no Drunk Steve. The train starts to slow down. We pull in to Union Station in Worcester, and... There's no drunk Steve. We look out the window. There's no drunk Steve. I get off of the train. I find the conductor and I say, hey, you know the drunk guy that was walking around between both floors? And he's like, yeah. I was like, well, he walked to the forward door at the car that said locked on it that goes to the engine. Right before we pulled into the station, he opened that door and he said, no, he didn't. Door's locked. I said, nope. He opened that door and he stepped out. He shut that door behind him. He took a right and that was that. Now at this time, the other guy didn't say a word, just walked by everybody, just fighting, just gone. He just <laughs> knew what he saw and he was done. He was just going. But there was other passengers that were on the upper deck that must have seen it because they came running down. And one guy came running down and he was in uh, cycling gear. He had his bike with him. He had his helmet. He had a flashlight on his helmet and he turned the flashlight on and he's looking under the train and he's looking in between the cars and he's looking in the door and he's looking and they're running down and 
he runs back over to the conductor. He says, that drunk guy fucking walked off this train before the train stopped. And the conductor's like, oh, really? I was like, I told you, dude, I'm not lying. I might be fucking higher than eagle titties right now, but man, I am not lying. And I am high. I have never been this high in my entire life. And this is the shit that's happening. And as I turn my head to the left, I see two cops walking up the walkway. That was my cue to exit. <laughs> it was time to go home. I was like, okay, I need to go find a cab and get in a cab and go home now so I can tell my wife I lost my phone. Because that's all I could worry about right now is telling my wife I lost my phone. Who gives a fuck about drunk Steve stepping off the train? So I walk into Union Station, and it's only two levels, and I press the button, and I get in the elevator because my fat ass too lazy to walk down probably 25 steps or something like that. And I ride the elevator down, and as the elevator doors open, there is nothing but a giant round of applause and cheering and whistling. And I looked around, and I went... All I did was ride the elevator, but thank you very much. I appreciate that. As I walked off the elevator and the applause is still going, I'm looking around. They turned downstairs of Union Station and Worcester into a banquet hall for an evening. And they were having an award ceremony. And I had just exited the elevator at the right time when somebody was receiving their award. And I thought it was for me. And I thought people were excited that I was back in the city. I was excited to be back in the city. I was also fucking Hyatt and Senator socks. <laughs> so before I went and found my cab, I stepped outside to smoke a cigarette, and I'm standing outside in front of Union Station. And all of a sudden, Union Station starts to look like a disco club because every red light and blue light and siren on the planet is pulling up. And I went, oh, shit. They must have found drunk Steve <laughs> or they're going to go look for him. And every fire truck, every ambulance, every rescue vehicle and every police cruiser that was in a five mile radius pulled up to Union Station. And they were all about to run through this awards dinner banquet in full gear to go look for a drunk guy that walked off of train. Don't know what happened to drunk Steve after that. For three days, I called all three major hospitals in the city asking if they had any patients come into the emergency room that had fallen off a train. Uh, I've called the police department to see if they had anybody that died on the tracks over by just as an inquiry. I called the newspaper to figure it out. They never, they never found the guy at all, the cops. No, the cops never found him that night. No paramedics. There's no record of anybody being hit by a train that week in the city. It just... A, me and another guy watched the guy step off of a moving train. And that was... That was it? And I was high. <laughs> and then still realized I didn't have a phone to call my wife or for a cab so I had to walk and get a cab yeah. and I found a cab and I got home and I told my wife what happened and she goes you couldn't ask anybody to use that phone <laughs> I'm sure everybody had a phone and I said nope 
didn't ask a soul. And then I told her the drunk Steve story and told her how high I was. And I went to bed and the next day I got a phone. <laughs> and that is the unabridged drunk Steve story. One of my favorite, favorite stories of all time. Because there's always something, always something when I get that stone that is outrageous that happens that is just like dude did you did i just really witness that or really <laughs> <laughs> i hear that man all right thank you very very much carl no thank you i really enjoyed this i love telling this story because it's just it's fun it's so wild so as i mentioned this is the new year's eve special um, obviously airing on New Year's Eve. That means tomorrow is the first day of 2022. A lot happened in 2020. A lot happened in 2021. And let's hope that the screaming 20s don't continue because that's what I, we, for the 1920s were the roaring 20s. Now we have the screaming 20s because the whole planet's on fire and we don't know what we got to do next. So hopefully the screaming 20s do not continue too much further into the decade of 2020. But we shall see. <sighs> Once again, I am Dave, and I hope you've enjoyed this NSFW po uh, program. Please like, subscribe. I'm on Facebook now, Live, Laugh, Smoke PC on Facebook. Please go ahead and like the Facebook page. Uh, follow it, follow me on Spotify and any other platform that you might listen on. Um, please uh, try my best to make this thing a uh, every four day occurrence and getting more listener base is just more incentive for me to do that. So help me help you guys. I want to make you guys laugh too. Have a wonderful New Year's Eve. Hope you all had a wonderful holiday season. And remember, starting tomorrow, you don't have to be nice anymore. So let's get it done, guys. <laughs> Happy New Year.